Welcome to Always Andersonville, the podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Sarah. Today, we are joined by Joel Berman. Joel is the founder and president of Berman Architecture and Design, a Chicago architecture firm specializing in adaptive reuse and heritage restoration for restaurant, hospitality, institutional, and residential development, and is located at 5212 North Clark. Welcome, Joel. How are you today? Hey, Sarah. Having a good day? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm having a good day, actually, now that good. I'm down here. Yay. Well, we love to start by you telling us a bit about yourself and your background and where you're from. Um, are you from Chicago? I am a Chicago native. I've lived in Chicago, Skokie, Wilmette, and then back to Chicago. And what about your professional background? How long have you been an architect and did you do anything before that? I was a beer vendor at the ballparks and at Chicago Fest and really at all the sporting events. I was a union beer vendor before I was an architect and I also had a business cutting lawns and doing calligraphy for wedding invitations back when you would actually hand address the envelopes. Wow. How much was, yeah, I mean, I was gonna, I'm curious to know how much beer prices were back then when we were vending beers. They were still excessive. They were at least $3. Do you remember what the most popular beer was that you sold? Old Style and Budweiser. Did you did you shout beer here? What was your... What beer was, here. Beer here. There you go. That's <laughs> what carry, I wanted. That's what I wanted. Carries longer. Or if it was hot dogs, it was tube steaks. <laughs> Podcast end. That's all we needed. <laughs> and what about becoming an architect? Is that what you went to school for and had always set out to do professionally? It's what I went to school for. I didn't know what I wanted to do exactly. I think I was trying to decide if I wanted to be a doctor or an architect. My father was a physician, and he said that I shouldn't be a physician because there was too much government interference. Well, there's pretty much government interference in any profession. How many times a month are you at the Department of Buildings? (laughs) I was just there this morning. So I'm, I'm there. Actually, the city allows us to submit the permit applications. Um, we upload it to a database, so I don't go nearly as often as I used to. At one point, I was thinking about relocating the office downtown just so I could walk across the street to City Hall. That's not so necessary anymore, and it's not just true in Chicago. It's in true It's true in other municipalities. Um, but I do like that personal connection with, with different people in the building department or in zoning. Well, you have worked on several projects in the Andersonville neighborhood, um, most notably Andersonville Galleria, the coffee studio, In Fine Spirits, Big Jones, Revive Spa, and Gus Giordano Dance School. Tell us about these projects and working in Andersonville. Laura, working in Andersonville is like working with the salt of the earth. Um, it's, it's fun. You, know, it's, you get to see immediately uh, a change. Um, I like working with small businesses and Actually, I moved here, I moved the office here because there was there was a period in 2004, 2003 when almost all my projects were on the commercial strip on, in Andersonville, and Ray Pesavento just thought that I should move into one of his buildings, so I did. I remember I was working out of the house and my wife said, you need to go meet people, you need to be communal, you need to stop sitting around in your underwear till midnight doing work. 
you need to just get out there and you need an office. And she was right. <laughs> I don't know if I want you to include that entire statement. <laughs> the statement about your underwear? The statement about my underwear. Okay. We can no, the rest of it. The we underwear won't is talk fine. about your underwear. <laughs> no, more, no more talks. No more underwear. <laughs> Angel, you sketch a lot. Um, I've been in meetings with you, actually, where I notice the sketches that you make that are always incredible. You emphasize the use of clear and fast sketching as part of the design process, and you use freehand perspective drawing as a rapid design tool. Can you tell us about this tool, fast sketching, as a part of your design process? So it's really what architects used to do and should do. And it it really, it helps think in a design way faster. So some people call it design thinking. If you can sketch in perspective design schemes very quickly, you can think faster, have a really direct and um, immediate conversation with clients face-to-face, -face, and you can knock out a detail real quick. You can knock out the design very quickly. If you do it all on a computer, it's slow, tedious, and the thought process is not there. It's all about the software. So I'm not saying the software isn't helpful, but I think that comes at a later phase. We use the highest level of technology, actually, when we're producing the construction documents. But at the initial conceptual phase, the, drawing, the freehand sketching is really important. And I compel my employees or all the staff to do that as well. So if, if somebody's, somebody wants to work with us, if they sketch well, that's a big plus. And you seek um, opportunity to teach aspiring and seasoned designers and artists this act of free sketching. Tell us more about being a teacher. Sure. Can I, can I go back to oh, process a little sure, bit sure, first? Sure. So one thing that we're doing right now that's unusual that I'm finding we're getting a lot of traction is that we'll do the freehand drawing. We're hosting video calls where we share screen. So so the initial calls might consist of rapid freehand sketching um, and showing that on the screen as it's happening. And then later on, we take the three-dimensional building information modeling. We use Revit, and we'll actually show schemes, share screen, and then we'll design with a with a whole bunch of people in different cities on the fly, and we'll make changes to the model while we're talking. So I'll give you an example. We we did a restaurant called Gelatissimo. It's a it's an Australian company that does gelato. And we had a general contractor that was in Detroit. We had a restaurant consultant in in Southern California. Uh, we had other people in New York. And then we had my office. So what we did was we very successfully and very quickly used um, American standard, you know, we made sure that Gelatissimo worked with American standards very quickly and had a very, very rapid conclusion to the design. And then we could go back and, and go ahead and detail it. And we do that on a lot of projects right now. We're doing it with uh, conceptual design um, for restaurant packages that are, that are around the country. So it's, it's actually, it's a, it's a different type of a process, but it's more collaborative so the sketching is sort of the initial, it's the, the initial conversation about the basic look and feel and the design. It's drawing out the story of the small business or the large business and 
helping us understand how to do great design based on that. The other piece that we're doing now is we just bought some software that renders very quickly photorealistically, and we're working towards actually modifying the rendering in real time, the 3D rendering. We, we have software and we're just trying to make sure that it works fast enough on our computers so that we can finalize the look and feel while we're, while we're hosting that model on a video call as well. So, it's all, so in some ways, it's about taking all these tools and seaming them together in a very unique way. And is that so unique in the industry to be taking that approach right now? I mean, I imagine that everything is digital and going digital. Like what, um, I don't know, just that, that sounds, you said unusual. So is it pretty unique right now? I don't know. In my mind, it shouldn't be because I, I just do it and I assumed other people do it. But um, the Australian company said that they had a better experience with us during the polar vortex by video when we were all working from our home um, hosting the model than they did face-to-face -face with their architect in Sydney. So that's, wow. that really says something. And I have not found, um, I, uh, clients are telling me that they have not had the experience with other design firms. So I'm just sort of, I'm a kind of a process wonk. So right now we're working on that process. And then I bought the Adobe Suite and some other things, and it's helping us also expand into branding, graphic design, and, and different types of other, other design packages that we can provide that actually totally tie into the small business. We do do some residential, but we're much more focused on, I'd say, restaurant, hospitality, adaptive reuse, and recording studios. Well, you also seek opportunity to teach aspiring and seasoned designers and artists. Tell us more about being a teacher of architectural sketching. I was invited, I think it was in the early 90s, I was invited to teach high school, Chicago Public High School students how to draw in a program in the Education Department of the Art Institute through Jocelyn Oates. And I liked it. And I... I started developing a curriculum like I, when you're teaching people you can just sort of sit back and watch and talk a little bit but I developed a curriculum I think I developed it fully when I taught at Columbia College for in their interior architecture uh, master's program I developed a curriculum that's a series of exercises they're all done outside different physical locations and first one is about composition you know we hold up a slide an old slide jacket and then work on a sheet of rectangles rotated landscape and portrait it would be easier to show um, visually but basically how to use that as a tool to come up with the best composition how to study composition then the next one is about contrast so that's dark versus light, and I emphasize that when you're drawing, really just think about it in three in three values. One value is dark, which is just completely dark. Um, the other, if it's light, nothing on the paper. And everything else is medium, and medium is just one medium tone if you break it up into three. The next is about contour line. It's the edges and how they define and how they shimmer based on the light and how they express how close you are or how far back you are. The next one is perspective, and I don't go into an anal retentive 
here's how to construct a perspective. If you want to do that, you can do that faster on the computer, but how to use it as a source of, you know, how you can think about it as you're drawing rapidly. Then we do something called speed sketching. Speed sketching is where they draw some, they draw a composition for half hour. I, I don't tell them I'm doing this. I just start forcing them to do it. 15 minutes, seven and a half minutes, then down to three minutes, a minute and a half, 45 seconds, 20 seconds, 10 seconds, five seconds, and just make them go rapidly. And it's interesting because the later sketches are almost always better. And that's how, that's the, the fundamentals of using drawing as a thinking tool. I'm working actually on a class right now that would use freehand drawing more in a design sense, how to use it as a design tool. And I teach at, and I teach all over. I've taught for Urban Sketchers, Chicago. Um, I'm going up to Quebec City at the end of the month to teach for the Ontario Association of Architects. Last year in Canada, I did, I do it with a friend of mine, Ann Milchberg in Toronto, who's from Toronto. And we did Banff, Toronto, and St. John up in Canada. So anyway, um, we, I've also done every other year I do Highland Park Focus on the Arts, which is just a very fast hour and a half session with high school students. That's, that's actually a lot of fun, but, um, it's something I'll probably look to do more after I retire. I'm curious with that teaching and you developing that curriculum that sounds so rich and interesting. Did you have specific teachers or mentors or influencers um, especially when it comes to sketching um, and a design? A little bit. I was a strange child. So I decided that I wanted to draw. I have no idea why. When I was an adolescent, and nobody in my family is an artist. Everybody just does technical or sales things. And so I saved my money and I bought a book called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain by Betty Edwards. And it was a book for teachers, and it had exercises, and I did all of the exercises very quickly. And I just did them. I didn't tell anyone I was doing them. Um, when I went to architecture school at U of I, they did have classes back then that were about, they were more about um, using markers or watercolor for very rich, closer to photorealistic. And so I had some technique there. But the junior year abroad was in Versailles, and there was an architect from Minneapolis. Boy, I can't remember his name now. He actually really catapulted me. So he gave, um, like, it was just a week. It was very, very rich instruction, and I, I think that some of my exercises come from, come from my experiences with that group. So it was a group of, I think, seven of us, and we traveled from... Florence to Venice, and we stopped in all the hill towns. And then I dropped it. I came out of school, and I was hell-bent on just developing myself as an architect. And in the early 90s, I started to come back to it, and now I'm, I'm nuts. I sketch everywhere in front of clients upside down. I kayak, a lot, you know, I kayak most Sundays to the Riverwalk or to Chinatown, and I just sketch, and that's how I relax. Well, speaking of kayaking, you live on the Chicago River, and just as you said, you spend a lot of time kayaking and sketching from the water. Does that perspective shape your approach to design, and what is something people should know about life on the Chicago River? Well, I would describe it as sketchyacking. 
Um, it's interesting when you're on the river, you're lower than you are on the ground. So the perspectives looking up at the high rises are amazing. Or even if you're just on the river walk, you're a, you're a story lower and it makes everything really extravagant. You know, I never really thought about it. Does the water inform on the architecture? In a way it does. So when I look out my back window, it used to be a row of trees, actually, where you live across the street, where we live across the river from Lathrop, and they're redeveloping it, and they, they took, I'm sure they'll replant something, but they took all of it away. But the stillness of the water and the way that the water changes over time is soothing, and it reminds, I think, as a designer, it reminds us that, or it reminds me, that we need to create space for tranquility and that there's more than just com just doing something for function's sake and that you need to do something that actually feeds the human soul. So Berman Design kicked off 2019 by rolling out a full-scale brand overhaul, including an optimized website, contemporary logo, and overall refreshed brand identity. Can you speak to your recent expansion in services and this rebranding and what it has meant for your company? The rebranding came about because for years we were matched with branding consultants and other types of creative consultants. And I felt that our clients would do better with one comprehensive source. Um, I hired Kurt Perenchio in my office. Kurt is an extremely, he's an outstanding graphic designer and he's actually helped develop the skills, the skill sets of other people in the office so that we can provide these as completely integrated services. So when we do this, we can do the conceptual design and then the final layout volumetrically or how the furniture counters and the kitchen layout in three dimensions on the video call. And I just realized that this, this is a better model. It's better for our clients. And frankly, it's more fun for us. Do you have any favorite projects from over the years that you'd like to share with us today? I really, I don't know why, but I really like in fine spirits wine shop. I think maybe because of the simplicity. So the, the founders came, came to us and they had a logo, and the logo was three squares with wine bottles in them, and they had almost no budget. They had no budget. So I just took it and put it into three boxes in the back of the store. And at first I had this crazy stuff like backlit glass with a bottle formed on it, and there'd be special lighting. At the end of the day, we just built three recessed squares out of drywall, hung bottles, and then had spotlight. You know, just had some track lighting that lit them up, and that was it. And then we figured out a way to do modular wine racking without wasting any sheets of four by eight sheets of plywood. So we laid it out in a way also where the display was right at at eye height, and I just I like the simplicity of it. And then. Jill and Shane Kissick founded and built the store, and they were able to build themselves with Jill's father also. 
the wine racking system. And we still detail that into a lot of our restaurants now. It's just so simple and it looks good. And it's just the plywood with solid oak trim on the front. And we usually do a two-tone. And the simplicity of all that, I, re- I really like it. There's there's other projects that um, that, that I, I have a strong affinity to also. In Andersonville, I really like the Galleria. The Galleria is a unique space, and it was reinvented from from Weekstrom's Deli, and I'm I'm proud that it really is something special and unique to the neighborhood and its current incarnation, and it continue it continues to thrive, and it helps focus and develop other businesses. It's a it's basically a um, I think in a, in a sense it's a business incubator. It allows retail where you don't have to worry about the point of sale and they they deal with your social media and your website and some of the other criteria um i love big jones big jones was the first um it wasn't the first big jones was an early restaurant that we did in 2006 2007 and we've continued to work with paul and i i just love going there those are Probably those are some of my favorites that are that are very local. Our own transit tees started in the Galleria, and now they have their storefront space. So. Cool. Mm-hmm. What advice would you pass on to young or aspiring designers or business owners, since you are both? <laughs> For designers, I would I would say really develop yourself with multiple tools and don't. Don't rely completely on technology. Technology is a great tool, but it's not the end-all, be-all. Um, our mechanical, one of the mechanical engineers that we work with does not know how to use CAD, is not hyper-technically proficient, but he does great work and really does fantastic design just from his experience and his understanding of the basics of the, of the sciences and it's okay. We can we can provide him that technology and work with him very cleanly. Uh, the the other thing is to be be creative, not just in a visual sense, but also think about how you're putting things together and serving people in the best, most efficient way possible. And think about the experience that you're providing people. What can you do to make that experience great and enriching? So it's not just about design, but it's also about how people work together, and the experiences that it creates. Well, you've worked on so many projects in the neighborhood, but is there a business in the neighborhood that you would like to trade places with for a day? The Chamber. <laughs> um, no, I, let me think about that. <laughs> well, that You're wasn't like, no. real. <laughs> no, is, is there a business? I, I wouldn't mind actually trading places with, with a restaurant or food business because, you know, we... It, it would be fun just to be in the thick of the operations of it. But also the chamber would be fun. I like the chamber. Well, thank you, Joel, for being here today. And thank you for listening to Always Andersonville, the podcast. For more information about Berman Architecture and Design, please visit bermanarchitecture.com. Show notes on today's episode can be found at andersonville.org. Always Andersonville, the podcast, is produced by the Andersonville Chamber of Commerce. Find episodes streaming weekly on iTunes and Podbean with show notes available at andersonville.org. This episode is brought to you by the Swedish American Museum. 
currently enrolling Travel the World Summer Camp for ages 6 through 11. Come and explore the food, dance, folk arts, and cultural identities of a different country each day. Find out more information at swedishamericanmuseum.org.